We're looking at the subject, discerning God's plan in the midst of change. Where there are new beginnings, there's usually some change. Discerning God's plans in the midst of change. Decisions matter. Decisions matter. Uh, John Maxwell said, well, let me share that. Go back to the slide there. Decisions really do determine our destiny. John Maxwell said this about decisions. The wrong decision at the wrong time is a disaster. The wrong decision at the right time is a mistake. The right decision at the wrong time is unacceptable. And the right decision at the right time is success. Uh, that's typical John Maxwell writing. Uh, the truth of the matter is we want to have success in our decision-making. When we're planning, when we're looking at new beginnings, when we're looking at change, uh, we want to do it well. We want to make right decisions at the right time in the right way. This is really, really, really essential. And so we challenged you last week to come to grips with three small words that can make a huge difference in your life. And uh, those three small words are wait, trust, and pray. Wait, trust, and pray. I would invite you, I would invite us as we are going through the decisions of the year ahead and the year ahead of that year to wait, learn to wait, learn to trust, and learn to pray. Psalm 46 and verse number 10 uh, is the first scripture I'd like to draw your attentions to tonight. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. We're not very good at being still. Most of us aren't very good at being still. Most of us want to get things done. Most of us are in a hurry. I like uh, this quote from C.S. Lewis, and if I could just have the house lights up just a wee bit, please. The real problem of the Christian life comes where people do not usually look for it. It comes from the very moment you wake up each day. All your wishes and hope for the day rush at you like wild animals. The first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back in. Shoving them all back in and going to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other stronger, quieter life come flowing in. And then we have to do it over and over again all day. The day just keeps going on and on like that. Standing, uh, uh, standing huh, off the screen here a little bit. With all your, all your uh, natural fussing and fretting coming in and out of the wind. Uh, and it only lasts for a few moments. But from those moments, the new sort 
of thinking that needs to be a part of our system begins to spring up because we are now letting him work at the right part of us. We are now letting him work at the right part of us. The quote continues. It's the difference between paint, which is merely laid on the surface, and dye or stain, which soaks right through. We never talked, God, he never talked vaguely. Uh, It's not just a bunch of gas in the air when he speaks. When he said be perfect, he meant it. He meant that we all experience the all-in full treatment. It's hard, but the sort of compromise uh, that we want to uh, see taking place in our life is even harder. In fact, it's impossible. It may be hard for an egg to turn into a bird. This is the part I really liked. It may be hard for an egg to turn into a bird. Would be jolly sight harder for it to learn to fly while still being an egg. It would be jolly harder uh, to learn to fly while still being an egg. We are like eggs at present and you cannot go on indefinitely uh, just being an ordinary decent egg. We must be hatched. We must be hatched. Psalm 46, verse 10, be still. And know that I am God. Many of us miss what God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives because we're not willing to just come underneath the wings of Heavenly Father and do nothing but let him warm us. Oh, this is useless. I'm just laying here doing nothing. I got to find somebody to help me do something. And if you do that, you're never going to become a bird, let alone a bird that flies. When you can learn to rest in him, You'll become a bird and you'll mount up with wings as eagles. They that wait upon the Lord. Sit there. Mount up with wings as eagles. And they fly. Psalm 40 and verse number one. I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. We have to, friends, if we're going to make right decisions at the right time, in the right way, know how to wait. And the bigger challenge there is to wait patiently. We're not called just to wait, but we wait patiently. I think, for the most part, I'm a reasonably patient guy. But there are some times I recognize I haven't got that mastered yet. It is amazing how you can go to a fast food place. There were no fast food places when I was growing up. The closest thing to fast food was A&W, where you parked in the parking lot. Eventually somebody came and took your order, and then they came and gave you trays that's hooked on your window. and. 
There's none of this fast food. Now I go to Timmy's once in a while, and I find myself getting aggravated because they don't have my muffin in my hand within 40 seconds. I'm in a hurry. I got to think, can't they get efficient around here? What's wrong with this place? We're not good at waiting. But we have to learn to wait patiently uh, for the Lord. Interesting story in Joshua chapter 9. Uh, when the inhabitants of Gibeon, and if you read verses 1 and 2 in that chapter, there's a whole list of nations there. They all lived on the west side of the Jordan River. Uh, and they heard, uh, the Gibeonites heard that Joshua, what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai. And uh, they said, boy, we don't want to get defeated like, uh, like Jericho did and Ai did. And so they acted with cunning. They came up with a plan. And they went and made ready provisions. They baked some bread and they took some worn out sacks, some sacks that were really in bad shape, not the stuff they were normally using, the really old stuff that was already put on the back of the closet. They took the worn out sacks uh, for their donkeys and wineskins, worn out and torn out and torn and mended. And they came uh, to Joshua and said, we'd like to make a peace treaty with you. And Joshua says in the middle verses here, five, six, seven, and eight, I think it is, well, how do I know who you are? How do I know you're, you're, you're really from far away and you're not an enemy from just across the river? And they says, well, look, we've been traveling forever. Look at how old our clothes have got. And see all of this bread is turning moldy already. And Joshua's response in that, verse number 14, uh, they took the provisions that they were offering them as part of the peace treaty but did not ask counsel from the Lord. But did not ask counsel from the Lord. We get ourselves in serious trouble, friends, when we don't wait, we don't seek God's direction. And after three days of uh, just... Uh, taking these guys at their word and not asking counseling for, counsel from the Lord, Joshua figured out, verse number 16, Joshua chapter 9, that these guys were just neighbors who lived just on the other side of the Jordan River. And it created nothing but headaches for them. Nothing but headaches for them. First Samuel 23, verses 1 and 2. Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Calah and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go out? Shall I go out and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go. Go and attack the Philistines and save Calah. Friends, that's how I want to live. That's how I want to live. I want to learn before I do anything to inquire of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord and he said, 
go. Want to learn to sit and wait and hear his voice. My heart's desire for us as a church family is that we be people who have learned not to rush into decisions, who have not just made decisions because an opportunity is there. We don't just presume that we're supposed to go and attack the Philistines. We wait until we get the instruction from Father above. It's my heart's desire. This is how I want to live. Before I do anything, inquire of the Lord. I want to suggest to you tonight that fasting is really an important part of this waiting, trusting, praying process. I know uh, there are churches that don't believe in fasting, at least not to the point where they encourage people to do it. But I'm absolutely convinced that fasting is a normal part of Christian life and expression. Absolutely convinced. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Verses 2 and 3, some man came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tarmah, that is, in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. <laughs> what did they do when they were under attack? They came up with a battle plan. No, no, no. They set their face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast. Fasting is a normal part of this waiting on God. Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. Uh, the church is gathered together. They're worshiping the Lord and fasting. And the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. When did they get instruction from the Lord? They got instruction from the Lord as they were fasting and praying. Isaiah 58, Old Testament is the longest portion in the Bible on the subject of fasting. And this is what God promises people who fast, Isaiah chapter 58 and verse number 11. The Lord will guide you continually. Friends, our decisions really, really matter. Our decisions determine our destiny. Our decisions really, really, really matter. And waiting on God, not being in a rush, not being in a hurry, taking time to fast, all of these things are important ingredients in discovering God's direction in our lives.
And now the sermon gets interesting. And I'm going to give some practical application to these truths to us as a church, to us as individuals. And some of you are going to be happy, and some of you might be a little upset. Uh, But I want to talk about this process of waiting and discerning God's will and God's plans and God's purposes. And after five years of thinking and praying and seeking advice on November 22nd of last year, I asked the church board, and I'm announcing it tonight, uh, to begin the process of looking for our next lead pastor. I uh, want to be clear in making that statement that I am not resigning tonight. What I am doing is I'm asking the lead, the leadership of our church to begin to seek God's will in terms of who is meant to be the next lead pastor here. So just so we're crystal clear clear here, I want you to look at somebody beside you and I want you to say to them, Pastor John has not resigned. Like, I don't want anybody leaving here saying, Pastor John resigned tonight. I am not resigning. But I do believe it's time for us to begin to search for God's will and purpose in terms of the next lead pastor. And now I'm going to really stretch my favor. And I'm going to ask you not to get on Facebook and tell anybody what's happening right now or any other part of social media. You have an advantage on Saturday night. You hear some things first. But can we honor, this sounds terrible, can you honor me and honor those who are coming tomorrow and let them hear this from me? and not dream up a bunch of things in their own hearts. So if I'm sitting where you're sitting, I would ask the question, why? Or why now? Well, a big part of it is uh, it's we, not me. And I'm stealing the phrase from the... uh, Team Canada junior hockey team that won gold this week. That was their motto as they marched towards gold. We not me. This, friends, is not about me. Uh, Pastor Donna asked me on the way to church tonight, are you, are you sure? <laughs> are you still sure? Are you feeling good about this? And and my response to my my good wife was, uh, 
Well, I believe with all of my heart this is best for the church. It's the right time for the church. And if I am the pastor that I believe God has called me to be, what's best for the church always has to be more important than what's good for me. It's really that simple. So it's not me, it's we. And uh, nobody came into my office this week and screamed at me or yelled at me or offended me or hurt my feelings. Uh, This is not reactionary. We have been working on the management and leadership level for the last five years at making sure when we got to this point we could do it well. Second reason I would say it's important is the neighborhood church needs and deserves a leader at this point in its opportunities where it can be looking ahead 20 years with vision and anticipation. And I'm no longer the guy who can look ahead 20 years for you. Um, And I believe in this church. I believe in the potential of this church, the ministry of this church. I believe in the people of this church. And, And you deserve someone who can be standing up and saying, this is the way, this is where our future is. And then the third reality and the why is church surveys reveal that in North America, the average age in a congregation is about five years younger than the senior pastor's age. If I stick around another 20 years, we're in trouble, buddies. We'll either be very, very old or very, very dead. And, and, and that's not what we want happening around here. We want to continue to be helping people Uh, find and follow Jesus. We want to do that and do that well. So then the question comes after the why is uh, now what or what's the process? So in conversations with the uh, Church Board of Deacons, we have established this potential timeline. And that is that from January to mid-April, we are going to give ourselves to congregational prayer and fasting. Friends, this really, really, really matters. We cannot make a decision like this in the flesh. We need to hear from God. We need to hear from God. And I'm not a newbie in this church stuff. And I know what happens when you hear, he's finally leaving. We get in our mind this picture of Hank. Hank's the guy, I like Hank. Hank and I play racquetball together and it's always so much, I think Hank is meant to be our next pastor. And we get so focused on Hank, God couldn't change our mind if we wanted him to. 
We can't go there, friends. We can't go there. And the only safe place for us as a church to be in this process is to take time to fast and pray where we have all honestly got to the place where we don't have an agenda. And we present to God hearts that say, all we want, Lord, is who you want. And until we're there, we're not ready. Until we're there, we're not ready to deal with the question of what's ahead. And so we're going to take the next two and a half or three months and we're going to fast and pray. And I know ultimately I can't make you do anything. But can I put a strong suggestion here and that is that all of us make the decision to not be throwing names around for the next two and a half months. Because that won't help us get here and this is where we need to be. And when we're all settled <laughs> in our hearts, uh, we can get to the next stage of beginning the process. So let's move this along. Congregational prayer and fasting from January to mid-April. Uh, hit click. And uh, a membership drive. Our church governance is really quite simple at the neighborhood. Uh, the congregation elects a pastor and then once a year the congregation gets together and selects some deacon board members who work along with the pastor and, and we lead. Uh, in my judgment it works pretty good. And then every 22 years or so, the church has to find a lead pastor, and everybody said, well, it's not really that important to be a member around here. Uh, and not everybody has a voice in this. If you've been attending here more than three months, and this is your church, I would encourage you to take out membership. Please do not be offended, anybody, by what I'm going to say next. Um, if everybody who's my age makes the decision about who the next pastor is, and everybody under the age of 40 has decided it doesn't matter if they take out membership, um, then at least have the grace not to complain about who gets the job. We want you to be, we need you to be a part of this process. And then from mid-April through to uh, mid-June, we'll be doing some expectations, surveys, and dialogues. 
Uh, we'll do a church survey, uh, family survey, uh, listening to about uh, what you or would want in a lead pastor. We'll have some round table discussions and form the pastoral search committee. Um, and then uh, from June uh, through to the end of August, we will do an active pastoral search where we'll wait and we'll pray and we'll trust God. And hopefully that will move to in uh, September and October, a new pastor being called and welcomed. And then our policy and procedure when a pastor leaves in, uh, in good standing, and I trust that is how I'm leaving, um, that uh, we will have the new pastor and the former pastor from November through to April or so uh, co-lead for six months. 70% of senior pastors said it took them seven to 12 months to feel fully onboarded, trained, and working effectively in their new role. That's from the Vanderblom client survey of 2019. We want to do this well, friends. We really want to do this well. We want to do this right. Want to make the right decision with the right heart in the right way. And uh, then uh, we will uh, believe God for, for great things. This really, uh, and I, I want you to hear my heart share. My heart, I only got one heart. Uh, I want you to hear my heart here. I want nothing but the best for the neighborhood church. I want nothing but the best for the neighborhood church. This church has been so, so good to Donna and I so good to us and we love you with all of our hearts I wish I was still 30 but I'm not love you with all of our hearts you are great great people and you deserve God's best and the only way for us to get God's best is for us to slow down <laughs> And let the, let the Father be the one who's, who's hatching the whole process and who's leading us step by step by step. So we're going to be slow and we're going to be careful. Um, and I think we've put together a process that will help us find the best because you folks deserve the best. So some concluding instructions. This Friday we begin to fast and pray. Pray for your church and pray for Pastor Donna and I. This is not uh, easy. This is not easy for us. So 
We'll pray for you. You pray for each other. But pray for us as well. Uh, Secondly, stay committed to the neighborhood. I believe our best years are ahead of us. I believe our best years are ahead of us. Many of you have heard this before, but the first time I came to this church was to meet with the pastoral search committee, and it was a big committee. And they began to ask me all kinds of questions about what I thought about this and that, and this and that, and that and this. And at the end of the meeting, I said this to them. I said, please don't call me back for any other conversations unless you're willing to have your next pastor lead you for at least 20 years. I said, I'm coming to stay. Why did I say that? Because I think somehow in our culture, uh, pastors have failed to model commitment to people anymore in churches. And when a call comes from down the road that pays another $10,000 a year and has another 100 seats in the sanctuary, they're jumping at it. And I've tried to model to you over the last 20 years plus a commitment to this house and to this ministry. And I'm asking us to stay committed. Asking us to stay committed to each other. I, I, I fear that in times like this, our hearts get exposed. And, and this scares me, friends. This scares me. I hope, I hope, I hope nobody's commitment to this church has been to me. Oh, how I hope that. Our commitment has to be to the mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. And our commitment has to be to walking out our faith with one another and bearing one another's burdens and praying for one another and caring for one another. God forbid that I will have pastored so poorly that people will have feel, be feeling a greater commitment <laughs> to me than to one another. God forbid. And then lastly, and I bring this up because culturally people are used to pastors being chosen in different ways. But friends, we walk through this together 
we make this decision together. We wait, we trust, we pray together. Important decisions are made in community. Seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit, the decision made in Acts chapter 15 in the Council of Jerusalem. We need to just rest in Jesus in all of this, friends, and get to the place where it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. This is what the Lord has for us. And so at some point, Pastor Don and I will have the privilege of co-leading with the next leader God has already chosen. He knows who that is. He knows who that is. And then our policy and procedures statement on this says that Pastor Don and I have to take at least a six-month vacation and get lost. Uh, so we'll do that um, and let the next leader gain a good solid footing around here and uh, see what God has after that. Love you all. Um, please hear my heart tonight.